episode 49 of the Swamp Flicks podcast. My name is Brandon Lede. And I'm Brittany Lomboss. We are coming to you from Pigeontown, New Orleans. This is the podcast version of the movie review website Swamp Flicks. It is a busy season right now, locally, because it's Mardi Gras time. Yeah. I went to one parade so far, the Tiny T-Rex Parade. I missed it. I went to Chewbacca's last night, and I wanted to see the T-Rex before, but I got caught in traffic, like... Because I was having dinner on Magazine, so I'm like, oh, I'll just like go through, get on Rampart to St. Claude, but they had another parade going on, <laughs> and then I got caught in that traffic, and it was insane. Yeah. So like, by the time I was able to park, like, Chewbacca's just started. <laughs> so I was like, just in traffic for an hour, so I missed it. We had like the tiniest Mardi Gras. We like saw the tiny floats. Yes. And then we left. We were probably away from the house for like less than two hours. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Do they give out tiny throws? Yeah. Like instead of like beaded necklaces, they throw out little like bracelet beads. Oh my God. Uh, I'm like obsessed with miniatures. So I'm so pissed off. You would love it. Um, okay. How was Chewbacca's this year? It was fun. There was, I mean, I know like it started off as like a Star Wars theme parade and now they're just like incorporating other fandom. stuff. But I was looking forward to like more, like I like Star Wars, but I'm not like huge into Star Wars and like Star Trek and that kind of stuff. But there was like a, there's Mischief Manage, which is like a Harry Potter crew. Mm-hmm. And I was like freaking out and I caught this cool wand. Oh, cool. It's really tiny, but I was like losing my mind. And then... Um, I got Birdie Bot's Every Flavored Beans. <laughs> um, so I was really excited. That's the one that's like the beans are like dirt and like farts and stuff. Farts and dirt. Yeah. And like earwax and grass. Gross. Um, but then you get like delicious ones like blueberry pie. You just don't know. But yeah, it was, it was really fun. Um, and it was like raining, but it's like the rain stopped the minute the parade started rolling oh, nice. where I was sitting. So it was just kind of like, thanks God. <laughs> you know, it was really nice. And you and I are planning on a second year for Crew Divine right now. Yes, I'm I'm ready. So if you see a few, probably four to six people dress up like Divine with a giant flamingo on a pink staff, um, that's probably us. You can come say hello. Absolutely, you might get a prize. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll tell you to eat shit is pretty much the prize. <laughs> um, and, you know, nationally... It's also like sports time right now. Um, we're recording instead of watching the Super Bowl right now. Aw shucks. Aw shucks. I missed it. And <laughs> right after the Super Bowl is going to be the Olympics. Starting probably around the time this podcast airs. Where are the Olympics being hosted? Uh, in year? South Korea. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's going to be really pretty. Yeah, I think so. I don't know how much we're going to be able to watch because <laughs> Mardi Gras like cuts into at least half oh. of it. I'm interested because I, I heard there's like North Korea and South Korea, like Olympic wise, I think one of their teams are like mixing or something. So that's going to be like pretty cool to watch. I think they tried to get North Korea to bring athletes to the games so that <laughs> almost as protection because they're not going to like harm their own people. Um, but maybe. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> it's possible. I do like, I like the Winter Olympics a lot. I like um, curling and mm-hmm. ice skating. Do they still have bobsledding? Uh, I think so, yeah. Okay. I tune in to the Winter Olympics 
for figure skating. Are there bars, you think, that will play, like, the figure skating competitions and stuff? I'm sure. Probably, yeah. That'd be fun to, like, be in a bar environment and just, like, watch that. And the Summer Olympics are good for gymnastics. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gymnastics and the po- the thing when you hit the pole on the ground and you... Pole vaulting. Pole vaulting. That's yeah. in the summer. Yeah. Okay. I kind of like women's water polo, too. Um, Ooh. <laughs> good one. And swimming. And swimming, yeah. Swimming's fun. I like to watch the swimmers. So today, we're going to be talking about a bunch of sports movies, which is not something we would usually discuss in this podcast. Not at but, all. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know, the Olympics seem like a pretty good excuse to, like, mm-hmm. deal with that genre. I doubt we'll return to it again. It's like we just, like, dabble our toes in it, see if we're into <laughs> it. Eh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I got, I got some mixed results myself. Me too. Oh, <laughs> good one. Uh, well, it's been a couple weeks since we talked, mm-hmm. and it's been even longer since I asked you what you've been watching lately, because... Oh, yeah. It's probably been since November, since we just had an episode that was just you and me. Um, Very So, true. what have you been watching lately? I'm kind of trying to play catch-up before the Oscars, so probably the most recent... 2017 film that I watched is The Shape of Water. Oh, yeah. Loved it. The film is like just really, really gorgeous. And I can't believe that like a movie that's basically about a mute woman who falls in love with a fish man and has like a fish man sexual relationship yeah. is gonna be nominated. One step away from like the lore being nominated for Best Picture, like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which it should be. Yeah. It's so weird because it's like I, I kept thinking, like, is this fish guy like <laughs> Yeah. Like, when he comes out, like, the tub, he's got, like, a 17-pack, and it's like, damn, Zaddy, you know? (laughs) But then, like, his... His, his face. Ass? Oh, his face. Oh, we can talk about his ass. They tried to make Doug Jones like they tried to make his ass look really nice in that fish suit. His face, though, he's such like a butter face. <laughs> yeah, because it's like like a trout's head. Right. Like it's not even like very human. I don't know. I didn't find the face to look very human. Like it just looked like a like a fish gasping for air. So that was kind of weird. I like that they didn't go with CGI for the fish man, at least. Yeah, like, that's, I think that was cool. And I think that's probably why people liked it so much. Right. And it's just crazy that there's two, like, horror-adjacent pictures in the Best Picture nominations this year. The Shape of Water and Get Out. Both of which were crazy. on our top five for the year for the website. Mm-hmm. Which is even weirder. Like, I don't think this will ever happen again. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe everything's changing. Maybe things are changing in, like, our taste. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, the older people are dying is probably part of it. Right. And all their shitty movies. Right. (laughs) I just thought it was, like, so... I love, like, those, like, you know, blues and greens and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. those kinds of, like, like, you know, colors and tones. And it's, like, everything was underwater. Beautiful underwater scenes. Wasn't it, like, in the 50s, like, late 50s, maybe, early 60s? That's so right. it has, like, a lot of, like, cool, like, vintage subway tile in the bathroom and all that kind of cool stuff. And she lives, like, the main character, Eliza, who is mute and fish-like herself. <laughs> um, <laughs> she lives, like, on top of, like, this old, beautiful movie theater. And I don't know, I just, like, love that, like, living situation. Like, if I could, like, live anywhere, I would love to have, like, a funky little apartment on top of, like, this, like, old movie theater, so. Yeah, the movie's, like, kind of like a fairy tale in general. Yeah. And that's a, a very modern it. fairy tale place to live. Like, what a <laughs> magical apartment. I know. And then she, like, lives next door to her, like, BFF, who's this older in-the-closet artist. And I don't know. And he has, like, some cats. <laughs> and I don't know. It just seems like a really cool living arrangement. But yeah, I liked it. I liked Shape of Water. 
Hopefully it wins something because it's nominated for like a couple of things. Yeah, uh, actually a lot. Uh, best director, best yeah. picture, some really major ones. Very surprising. And um, like I said, it was in our top five for the year as a website. Yeah. So I'm so bummed that I didn't see it till like <laughs> like a week ago because yeah. it would have been on my top ten for last year. So maybe it would have been higher. Yeah. Maybe it would have been our favorite movie. Who knows? Well, sometime this summer we'll do like a recap of all that stuff. Right. So I'll throw that right back in there. Yeah. Um, Anything else? I watched um, and forty seven meters down. Oh, I saw that with Mandy Moore. Yeah, whatever. I don't had no idea what she was like up to. I mean, the last time I think I saw her in anything was um, the Princess Diaries when she was the Mean Girl. Mm. Which I like that movie. And then she was also like in like I remember like a Walk to Remember. Yeah, and I hated that fucking movie. And they always made us watch it in middle school. Like whenever we had like a movie day, it's like, oh, let's watch a Walk to Remember. I'm like, why are we watching this sad ass movie about this like girl that sings and has cancer? It's just it blew our mind that we were like so little and they would like make us watch that. She's fun and saved. She plays like a mean girl oh, in that too. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. And love her, like, missing you like candy song. Oh, that's a great song. It's a good, it's so good. And she's like, isn't she, like, at a skate park? I don't, I don't know and if I've ever seen the video. I think. I like the part where she, like, talks saying in it, where she's like, love always, Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Anyways, so <laughs> Mandy Moore is back, y'all. <laughs> Six feet under. Shit. 47 meters 47 down. 47 meters down. <laughs> that's another way to die. Right. Was this like maybe like 2016, 2015? It actually was released briefly mm-hmm. in 2016 on DVD. Okay. Uh, direct to DVD. And I think because she's on that show, This Is Us. And also oh, because okay. um, The Shallows with Blake Lively did pretty well. It was another shark movie. Oh, yeah. Where she's like on the big rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think they recognized that they could make some quick money off of it. So they pulled it yeah. from the DVD shelf and slapped a new name on it. And then they went to theaters last year in 2017. Okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, good deal. So it's more recent than I thought, <laughs> theater-wise. But yeah, it's basically Mandy Moore's character and her sister are on this like vacation in Mexico, and they decide to go on an excursion. They meet like two guys at a bar, and it's like, hey, you want to go swim with sharks? And they're like, uh, I don't know. They told us like not to do like tours like this. I don't know if we should do it, and they do it, and. The guys aren't, like, evil or anything like that, but they have, like, this rusty-ass cage they put them in. And while they're in the shark cage, after, like, you know, like, three or four sharks have, like, been attracted to the boat, it just breaks and falls, like, 47 meters down. And they have to try to escape. And And that's the whole movie. And the rest of the movie, they're in the cage, and you're watching the darkness, and you're waiting for whether or not a shark's gonna come out. I have a differing opinion for most people from this movie. The last five minutes, they finally do something with the concept of oxygen deprivation making you hallucinate. Everyone hates that and thinks it's cheap and like a terrible trick that's pulled on the audience. Yeah. I think it's so fun and I wish more of the movie was (laughs) like the, I can't remember what they call it, psychosis or hypnosis or something of them being stuck underwater. How did you feel about like the sort of like hypnotic fake-outs towards the end. Like, at first, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, they're getting out. And then I'm like, oh, this seems too good to be true. And then I'm like, oh, I remember what that guy said. Right, And then, I don't know, I laughed out loud (laughs) when I went back and she was in the cage laughing, so. I thought that was the movie's, like, one, like, new idea. Right. The rest is, like, pretty standard shark movie. It really, like, made you feel how fucking scary it must be to just, like, be in the middle of the ocean where it's dark as shit. And you know there's some big-ass fucking sharks 
that can fucking fill you and see you around. And you're trying to, like, just get to the top. And you're losing oxygen, hallucinating at the same time. Just makes you sweat a lot. Did you like the movie, like, on the whole? Yeah, it was was cool. I don't know if I'd watch it again, but it wasn't, like, bad. I wouldn't, like, not recommend it to people, but it's not, like, a rewatchable movie for me. Did you see The Shallows with Blake Lively? Like, vaguely. I I like that one. She was, like, stuck on a rock. So at least, like, she had some air. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, I thought that one was more fun. I don't know. It's because she like makes friends with Steven Seagal. I haven't seen the whole thing. Oh, you should watch it. I just have. Se- I remember it was um it was playing on like TV and I caught like either the beginning or the end. It was just you know when you're like going through movies right. and shit and you're like oh this looks cool and then like you know you have to go get eat dinner or get something distracted. you get distracted and yeah that's what happened but I'll check it out but yeah that's pretty much the new stuff I've been into. What about you, Ryan? What have you been watching? Probably the best two new movies I've seen recently are kids movies. I went to the theater and saw the Studio Panak debut. It's the new studio that's like a spinoff of Studio Ghibli, cause, or Ghibli, oh, I don't know how to pronounce cool. that. Yeah, Miyazaki's like house studio was sort of closing its doors, and this like group of animators who used to work for them sort of branched off and started this new studio. And their first film is called Mary and the Witch's Flower, and mm. it is so fun. If Really? If I had seen this for the first time in, like, the early 90s, this would have been, like, my favorite movie. Really? It feels a little like The Worst Witch and a little bit like... Oh, cool. Uh, little Nemo's Adventures in Slumberland. Love that movie. I love both of those yeah. as a kid. This one is, like, a pretty standard down-the-rabbit-hole story. Like, this little girl's bored during her summer, and she discovers this flower that gives her, like, Witch's powers for a day, along with this broom that has its own personality. So this, like, tiny broom is basically, like, sassy and, like, flies her to this other world where her witch's powers fits in because everyone there is a witch or a wizard. Does the broom talk? No, or just... it's more like the magic carpet in Aladdin? A lot like, like the magic carpet in Aladdin. Okay, cool. Uh, and it's based off a novel written in the early 70s called The Little oh. Broomstick. So Aww. The, yeah, the broomstick has, like, its own, like, character... So along with the broomstick and this cat that sort of gets her in trouble in the first place, Mm -hmm. um, she enrolls in this witch's school. It's a little like Harry Potter, but um, Harry Potter is kind of like a pastiche. Like there's a lot of books and movies that Harry Potter was kind of like borrowing from on its like premise. Like The Worst Witch for sure. Probably The Little Broomstick, a bunch of other things. I mean, kind of. Do you watch the Harry Potter movies? Not really. I saw probably the first four. Okay. Yeah. Just the just the premise of like a school of like witches and wizards and like going to class and learning the spells. I see what you're saying. Not necessarily the overall arc. Okay, I was about to like explode. Not the not the overall story. (laughs) No, I agree. I agree because it's like you know a witch school. Right. You know that's basically what it's all about. Right, and some kid being like introduced to this otherworldly space without knowing all of the rules and the the uh, decorum. Sort of like a late bloomer who is actually more powerful than everyone else around them. This really sounds cool. Uh, in this version, though, she's not as powerful as everyone thinks she is. It's just this flower is giving her all this um. power. Uh, so she has to take down this sort of like evil teacher and an evil scientist who are doing all these wicked <laughs> animal experiments and like oh, keeping kids one. hostage and stuff. She has to take them down before she's discovered to be a fraud and the temporary powers the flower gives her dissipate. It's a really beautifully animated movie. Like, if you're into Miyazaki stuff. And yeah. Definitely Little Nemo's Adventures in Slumberland re- reminded me a lot of it. Love that movie so much. Definitely worth a watch. And it's one of the few, like, 2018 movies I've seen so far that are, like, worth recommending to people. Is it in theaters? It was for a week. I'd expect it to be on VOD in the next few months. Okay. And I finally caught up with a kid's movie from last year that I heard wasn't that great and actually blew my mind. It's Todd Haynes' latest film, Wonderstruck. 
Uh, it just popped up on Amazon Prime. Hmm. So it's his follow-up to Carol, and it's based off a book by the guy who wrote Hugo, the Martin Scorsese picture. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, it's about these two little kids separated by like 50 years. One story is set in the 1970s, and one story is set in the 1920s, and they're both deaf. And they have this narrative trajectory that's oddly in sync. Their home lives are pretty shaky. Like, they're pretty much on their own. Their parents have been taken out of the picture. Yeah. uh, For different reasons in both scenarios. Mm. And they both run away from home to go on a quest individually. And you're not sure exactly how these stories are going to intersect and how these characters are related to each other. You just sort of, like, are intrigued by the mystery of, like, why their lives are so in sync. Like... They're both deaf, but they don't know sign language. Why is that? They both go to the Museum of Natural History. Why are they drawn there? Uh, And it's like this really intricately interwoven plot between these two characters that really does come together in this beautiful way at the end in this very long stop-motion sequence in a miniature of the entire city of New York that was built for the World's Fair in the, in the I think, 1960s, something oh, like that. Oh, that's probably beautiful. Oh, it's so gorgeous. <sighs> I cried a lot, actually, during Aww. that segment, just because it was so beautiful. So, do you, is it something that's revealed in the end as the reason why they both have, like, the same path? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited There's now. pretty much a monologue that's, like, several minutes history. long, and it's illustrated through these tiny figurines in the miniature of New York. Like, you'll see real-life objects that you've seen in the movie before, like a book or a note or just, like, you know, really small, like, artifacts. And then there's an even smaller version of it in the little miniature of New York. This is just, like, T-Rex. Like, T-Rex, yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's so beautiful. And I don't understand why people didn't like this movie. It is largely silent. It's it's not a silent film, but a lot of it is silent. It is using old-fashioned Hollywood silent movies, like iconography the way characters act and the way the sound uh like the piano accompaniment influences like the comedy or the uh the thrills uh is very much like old-fashioned 1920s filmmaking i like that i feel yeah. like that makes the movie like more mesmerizing where there's not like a lot of dialogue and yeah and you really do have to pay attention like i locked my phone mm-hmm. in the other room like i kind of wish i had seen it in the theater because you know yeah that's when you're like fully immersed yeah there's nothing to like break your focus but if you like todd haynes this is the most experimental he's been in a while velvet goldmine's my favorite (laughs) and this is like my second favorite i think immediately after that but you know stuff like that or uh his movie poison which i think is the one that's like a triptych it's got three different stories that interweave in these like weird ways haven't heard of that one uh it's good but you should definitely watch wonderstruck it's a kid's movie this is the one that john waters said on his like top 10 of the year that uh, take your kid to see it. If they don't like it, they're an idiot. Uh, <laughs> which is a really glib uh, review, but I think actually kind of accurate in a weird way. <laughs> like, it, it'll test your kid's like, pa- like patience and attention span. A but... lot of my favorite movies are kids' movies anyway. Yeah. So I like that kind of stuff. So good deal. Yeah, and it's on Amazon Prime. So cool. you know, if you didn't feel like pulling the trigger on it when it was in the theater, like it's you know available to watch at your house Easily now. Easily available. Yeah. Love that. And if there's any movie that I've seen from last year so far that would have made my top ten list, that's the one. Really? Yeah, it was Ooh, so good. That's some bold words. Yeah. Well, we got plenty to get through today. Yes, we do. <laughs> like we said earlier, we were talking about a bunch of sports movies and pretty much specifically movies set around the Olympics. Yeah, um, the Winter Olympics. The Winter Olympics. Yeah. With one exception out of all six of them. And I only squeeze it in there because I love yeah. it. I had to bend the rules a little bit. <laughs> and all that's coming up to you right, right now. now. Please don't let this feeling end. It might not come again. And I want to.
now it's time for our regular Movie the Minute segment. This is where hosts of the show bounce back and forth recommending films to each other. And this time it was Brittany's choice. Yes. What did you make me watch? So I made Brandon watch Ice Castles, which is a 1978 film about a 16-year-old ice skater from a small town in Iowa named Lexi. And actually I have a friend that was named after her. Oh, wow. (laughs) Her mom really liked this movie. Just want to throw it in there. Moms love this movie. I posted about this movie and three moms commented. <laughs> yes. More to come. This is my one of my mom's favorite movies. That's too. awesome. So she kind of like forced me to watch it growing up, but I, I enjoyed it. So it wasn't like a bad force watch. So anyway, Lexi has this like natural talent at figure skating. She has a coach who's like a family friend and she's sort of like an ex figure skater herself. And she kind of coaches her and everything like that, but it's, she's not like professionally coached and she goes to a, um, a cha- sort of this, like this championship. I can't remember the title of it, but it's like not like a major one, but kind of like a more minor figure skating. It's like one of the qualifying regional competitions so that you can work your way up to the Olympics. She'll like win these like regional competitions. And you just keep going. And then you yeah. get to the national level. Yeah. So she's at one of those and she doesn't get good scores from the judges because she keeps doing like all this show offy shit and the judges don't really like that. So a professional coach notices her and her talent. So she starts training with her and she eventually becomes this sort of like, like people love her, the public love her. She gets like a lot of airtime on television and she sort of lets fame get to her a little bit where there's, and this is like probably the creepiest part of the movie, but there's a news anchor who's probably like 40 and she gets in like a weird little relationship with yeah. him and she's like 16 years old. Yeah. It's very, <laughs> so disturbing. Even though the actress is like 20, I think. Yeah. Uh, it it's does. still weird. Just the idea of it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, she's still like, you know, at that age, like girls are like really young and they're just kind of exploring stuff. And you she, know, you have some old dude just taking advantage of that. She's also infantilized. Her like her dad over protects her. And, right. Cause her mother's passed right. and he's a single dad so he's very like I don't want her to leave because then I'll be alone yeah so this adult man's like very much hitting on like a girl like it's not yeah. a woman yet oh, it's a no. girl it's so sick yeah so that's probably the hardest thing to watch in this movie but she kind of gets lost in the fame a little bit and she kind of puts like you know her family not not so much puts her family in the back burner but like her she has a boyfriend um Nick who's like he he aspires to be this like professional hockey player and she kind of pushes him to the side a little bit like not purposely but it just sort of that shit happens as you like as she gains more fame and stuff like that so she just doesn't know how to like figure it out yet but she um skates out her frustration one <laughs> night and she falls while she's trying to do like a triple spin and it causes her to have like this brain injury um, or like a blood clot in her brain and it causes her to become pretty much blind. So then she she's blind. She can kind of see like shadows and stuff like that. And she goes back home and she goes through this like insane depression where it's like, you know, her hair looks like it hasn't been brushed in like three weeks. Yeah, she goes full nail. Like full imme- nail, yes. Yeah, like immediately. <laughs> Really quickly. Yeah. And um, Nick helps her get back into figure skating. And then she um, has her big, like, 
she goes back to the competition and she nails it. People are like rooting for her because they think that like she could see again. Yeah, she doesn't want their sympathy. Right. And then they start throwing roses and they're like, oh shit, we forgot about the roses. And she trips over one and then everyone goes fucking silent and they're like, crap, she's still blind. But at the same, that's like the saddest part. But at the same time, it's like her boyfriend comes and like helps her up and he's like, trust me, you know, kind of brush it off a little bit and it's just like a major accomplishment really good stuff what's cool is that um like lynn holly johnson was a professional ice skater yeah and she wasn't that bad of an actress at she's all she's pretty good she was probably maybe one of the best actors in the movie uh, besides tom scarrett and she also like got more acting jobs she was in that yeah. uh the watcher in the woods movie after this yeah she was my one of my favorite betty, da- betty davis movies one of the dark disney films yeah. like um the, something wicked this way comes I really like this movie. I watched it as a kid. Um, I read the book. I don't know if the... I couldn't find any info if, like, the book was, like, before the movie or after the movie. But it follows the movie to a T with, like, a little bit of extra information to fill in the gaps. Um, I just really like the story a lot for whatever reason. Yeah. But, yeah. How'd you like it, Brandon? How was Ice Castles? Um, it's a pretty decent melodrama. Like... Yeah. It's pre- the idea of it is pretty much... Um, that 1970 movie, The Love Story. It's pretty much that, except without cancer, there's blindness instead. <laughs> and it's set on a figure skating context. Right. Instead of, like, just two people falling in love. And one of the funniest things about this movie to me is that Ebert wrote this, like, really weirdly negative review about it. Aww. Where he was like, isn't love enough? Do we really need, like, the cancer and the figure skating and, like, all this tragedy? Well, it makes us more emotional. I think so, too. And like, I, th- I, like, still almost cry at the end when she puts on her old, like, shitty skating outfit and she skates blind and it's like, oh. And I think, like, for media, like, aimed at young girls, like, that kind of tragedy is nice. Like, Oh, yeah. Uh, like you were talking about earlier, like, people used to make you watch A Walk to Remember all the time. It's, like, kind of the same <laughs> right. thing. No, you're right. Uh, and the funny thing about this movie is, like, you would expect with the premise of this girl having to overcome this sudden blindness and, like, overcoming this hurdle in her figure skating career that it would happen in the first act or something. Like, you would see how great she is, then she would become blind, and then she'd have to overcome that for the rest of the film. But instead, you watch her, like, work her way up and earn a spot, and then in, like, the last 20 minutes is the whole turnaround with the blindness. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I like that, because I like knowing, like, I like understanding someone fully in a film that's like you know where they get like a a horrible illness or something like that so i i like that this film did that because you got to know her talent her story and not just her like her disability and it's a lot about her romance with this like hockey boy from her small town who kind of looks like a young john travolta in a weird way (laughs) but yeah you like follow their romance and you know uh it gets disrupted by the old creepy guy hitting on her and kissing her as well. Oh, God, Which, yeah. no one wants that, but no, I guess it's a little bit of conflict for them to come over. And it's kind of, like, oddly endearing late in the film, and he's the one that, like, puts in the effort to make her come back and, like, build herself back up. He gives her kind of a tough love routine where he's yeah. like, you're better than this, and he, like, doesn't help her get up, but he, like, makes her work harder and stop feeling sorry for herself. Yeah. It's a pretty good melodramatic romance and, you know, I'm, like, watching the first couple minutes, and over the credits, there's this, like, really over-the-top melodramatic song. And I'm like, oh, what's this called? The theme from Ice Castles? And then there's, like, a credit for, like, featuring theme from Ice Castles. Which I was like, okay, this is the kind of movie I'm watching. I miss Melissa Manchester, who's a phenomenal singer. This song plays on Magic 101.9 every now and then. Yeah. So... 
Keep your radio tuned on there. I played a little <laughs> clip of it earlier just because, like, it was actually, like, more memorable than most of the dialogue was that. <laughs> just the damn song. Yeah. This song was, like, nominated for, um, was it, like, an Oscar? Oh, really? I want to say an Oscar. I know the film was nominated for a couple, like, Golden Globes. It's not bad. Like, it's, it's a pretty movie. good melodramatic romance. I feel like if I was a 10-year-old girl in, like, 1979 mm-hmm. or whenever, uh, like, a year after this came out. Or, like, 2000. Yeah. Like me. Yeah. I would have loved <laughs> I it. Into it. And they even, like, remade it recently. Uh, the same director oh, yeah. made a direct-to-DVD remake of this in, like, 2010. Yeah. I, like, when I was looking for the movie, I kept, like, seeing that one. I'm like, oh, that's not it. There's this other franchise called The Cutting Edge. Do you know oh, that? Oh, yeah, The Cutting Edge. There's, like, a few of those. Kind of like the Bring It On has all those, like, sequels. Yeah. Uh, that one has, like, like you know, it's like Cutting Edge 5 or something. <laughs> they just keep making them. We should do an episode of The Cutting Edge. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> but I think the acting is, like, surprisingly good, considering that she was an athlete before she was an actress. Um, and I think casting a real-life figure skater... It's pretty cool. ...makes it a more believable film. You get some really great shots where you can, like, fully see her face. It's not a body double. Yeah. Uh, there's these cool dolly shots of her gliding across the ice, and we're, like, looking almost from the point of view of her skates. We're, like, looking up at her as she glides. Right. Uh, and it's really her. So yeah. So it's, it's beautiful. Something I forgot to mention about this, and I didn't realize until, like, recently rewatching it, they say goddamn at least a hundred times in this movie. <laughs> when they're in Iowa. <laughs> It's just like, God damn it, Lexi. Oh, God damn. Oh, God damn. And I'm just, that was the choice of word for this PG film. I, yeah, and this is before PG-13, so they probably have to count their goddams. Like, as long as they no. didn't say fuck, they probably could get away with it. Totally, yeah. yeah. One thing I do find really funny is that she's told not to show off several times throughout the film. That's, like, her biggest downfall. That's, like, actually why she goes blind is because she's always showing off. Yeah. Uh, and the way she shows off is that she does a triple axel. Now, a female figure skater at the time was not supposed to be able to do that. Uh, the reason Tanya Harding became like so popular in the 90s is because she was the first woman to do a triple axel in competition. So for these people to keep telling her not to do this one thing that only she can do was like really weird to me. Like, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't understand like how what's good or not, but I feel like the more spins and shit you do, I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's super impressive. Yeah. yeah. But apparently it isn't. But I don't know. I don't know anything about, like, the, like, real rules of figure skating. I don't know. It's, like, weird in this movie. Like, imagine that you could lift a car over your head with one arm and then you went to, like, a strongman competition and someone told you not to do that yeah. because it's, like, showing off. And it's like, well, is it? Or am I just showing that I'm the best in the world? Well, that's the thing. Like, the crowds loved her when she did it. Right. At that, like, very minor championship. But, yeah, the the, the judges gave her, like, the shittiest scores ever, but people were, like, losing their fucking shit over her. Yeah. So, the judges don't know anything. <laughs> More triple axles would have been nice. <laughs> I would have been into that. And also... The package that they use to introduce the girls on TV when they're actually going to the Olympics. Yeah. She ice skates to this, like, disco number. Beethoven's whatever, whatever. I remember that song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I played in Saturday Night Fever. Right, it's like a disco remix of a Beethoven or Mozart or something. it's so good. And it's this, like, really old man that does it. But imagine, like, if this whole movie was more like Xanadu on its soundtrack... And, like, there was a kind of a disco beat to them ice skating and stuff. Right. I would have been so into that. <laughs> right. But they were like, let's, like, not take any more attention away from Melissa Manchester's yeah. Through the Eyes of Love hit. It's more of the, like, that sappy AM 70s, like, yeah. post-folk kind of, I don't even know what you want to call that kind of music. Like, soft rock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Magic on one point nine shit. Right. Like after Joan Baez comes this. I didn't dislike it at all. Like I thought it was really like engaging melodrama romance stuff. And I think watching it on a couch, like in the middle of the afternoon on a Sunday, like <laughs> perfect movie yeah. watching oh, experience. Absolutely. Yeah. I here's one thing that I would love to see is a drag routine to Through the Eyes of Love in her like figure skating dress. I would adore that so much. She's got, like, much. a Peter Pan collar on this, like, blue and dress. And she has her name embroidered in it. Yeah. And everybody's like, look at that piece of trash. Like, it was very pretty and pink. Like, you know, the homemade kind of shit gets made fun of by the assholes. And I think if, like, you're younger than her, also with, like, pretty and pink, like, you look up to her and, like, think she looks cool and, like... Yeah. You were, like, 10 years old watching this, like, 16-year-old girl conquer the skating world, despite everyone thinking she's trash because she's from sm- some small town. <laughs> right, like, like, why are you shitting on that dress? Right, yeah, it's a beautiful outfit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that's what I want. Right. I want a drag routine. Yeah, and I think a drag queen would have a lot of fun with the uh, blind figure skater, like... <laughs> there'd be a lot of physical comedy with that as well. <laughs> And I do like that they objectify the hockey boy's body more than hers. Like, you see her in the figure skating dress, Mm -hmm. uh, but that's not like... It's not like you, like, see her lounging around her underwear or anything, like... Mm -mm. But you do see the hockey boy call her on the phone wearing nothing but his tidy whities and the movie, like, leers over his body (laughs) in a way that you, like, you know this was marketed for, like, teen girls in the 70s and, like, nobody else. Right. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. (laughs) And that's its, like, best quality, I think, is, like, that it's aimed for that demographic. Yeah. It's time for our feature conversation. Um, like I said earlier, we're going to be talking about a bunch of movies set in and around the Olympics. More specifically, though, we only did comedies. Yes. Like, there's a lot of sports movies and a lot of, like, Olympics-type movies out there. Even notably right now, there's Itania is, like, you know, scoring high marks, and I think it even got nominated for some Oscars mm-hmm. uh, for acting categories. That one mixes dark comedy with, like, really fucking like, heartbreaking drama. Really? I haven't, still haven't seen it yet. I did not enjoy it. Mostly because that mix of genres, like, didn't gel for me. Okay. It's a really harsh watch. Uh, the movies we talked about today were a lot lighter. Okay. But we are going to be talking about some movies that sort of cross over with I, Tanya in a more comedic, humorous way, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of them aren't actually Olympics. A lot of them are, like, generic winter world sports games, you know, things like that. <laughs> It's not quite the Olympics. They're, like, using this, like, non-copyright placeholders where you, like, yeah. understand what they're doing. But there are, like, some real-life stories mixed in there as well. But it makes you feel that Olympic vibe. You know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> we are ready for you, Winter Olympics. Yeah. Uh, and the first one is a real-life story. And it really did happen. Yeah. In 1988 at the Calgary Olympics. Uh, this is a Disney film. Uh, it's titled Cool Runnings. Yes. Uh, it came out in 1993. And because of that 
time, I'm going to guess you and I both grew up with this one when it was on, oh, like, God, VHS. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This was, like, one of, like, you know, a childhood film for sure. It's about Jamaica's first bobsledding team going to the Winter Olympic Games in Calgary and sort of surprising the world that they even existed. Although it is based on a real-life story and the team really did go to the Olympics and, you know, kind of became a sensation just for being on TV, all the characters are fake. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a classic, like, Disney-fied uh, version of a real-life story. And actually, it was supposed to be a serious sports movie when it was first written. The director that was attached to it left the project to go direct What's Love Got to Do With It, which <gasps> you and I talked about last time. <laughs> ah! yeah. So cool. I love how, like, everything's connected to Swamp Flicks. Yeah, it's so weird. We watch too many movies, I think, is the problem. Mm, be true, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the director left for What's Life Got to Do With It, and they sort of, like, retooled it um, to be this comedy. Mm-hmm. And it's honestly not funny to me. The jokes in this movie aren't funny, and I still enjoy the movie somehow. Yeah. It's just, like, it's a good, like, underdog story, and everyone likes that shit, so, but, yeah, like you said, like, the funny stuff, like, the wacky, like, Jamaican jokes that are kind of, like, I don't know, a lot of people- Jamaica, we got a bobsled team. team. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's such a good story, and this is, like, what, John Candy's last movie? No. Was it his last movie? I think his last movie was, like, Canadian Bacon or something. So, you're after. So, this is one of his last movies. But this Mm -hmm. one- has him, like, old and out of shape and, like, uh, he's supposed to be playing an alcoholic who's just been, like, drinking so himself to death. It's sad because, like, John Candy, like, of course, like, I didn't know him personally, but he seems like he was, like, the nicest person ever. And he plays all these roles, like Uncle Buck, you know, planes, trains, and automobiles. Like, he's just so sweet and pleasant. And he's just, like, in the beginning, he's yelling at them and playing <laughs> pool and, like, making bets and kind of just drinking away. And it's just really sad to see him yeah. like that. I actually heard Macaulay Culkin on Mark Maron's podcast recently. Yeah. And he was talking about how John Candy was like the sweetest person alive. Oh, God. Because like, he was in Home Alone. He was yeah. on the, um, the U-Haul. Whatever. No, they were in Uncle Buck together. And he and was, Uncle and Buck he was, and yeah, Home Alone. Okay. Yeah. That's true. That's right. when he first met him sure. when he was like his first like film I role. I love Uncle Buck yeah. so much. That's so sad. John Candy, you're awesome. So he plays an entirely fictional coach that does not exist. And he went to Jamaica as a young man after being disqualified from the bobsled sport yeah. uh, for cheating. He like put weights in the bobsled. To make it faster. Yeah. So he goes to Jamaica in the 1960s to recruit sprinters. Because Jamaica does have Olympic athletes. They just all run track and field mostly. Right. So he goes to recruit a sprinter because he thinks that if you can get a really good head start pushing the bobsled, you get the initial speed you need for like a team to win. Right. Even if they aren't used to, you know, ice because they live in the Caribbean. Um, <laughs> The athlete he was trying to pursue to do the, the bobsled thing does not work out. But instead, 20 years later, that guy's son gets disqualified from sprinting in track. Yeah. And comes to him instead and is like, hey, let's do this thing again. And he sort of reluctantly gets talked into it. And then he trains like five or four, I don't remember, four bobsledders. Four yeah. yeah. To learn how to bobsled. Your driver, the brake, and the two guys in the middle. Yeah. And they basically learn by doing boxcar racing is like the mm-hmm. the way they're able to practice like, before they get yeah, to the Yeah, they ice. just push the car, push car or whatever. Yeah. It's not funny. There's like one jokey character that does most of like the hamming up. Sanka. Uh, yeah. Sanka coffee. <laughs> I mean, he'll do things like, what's a bill sled team? And you're supposed to be like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Like the jokes were shit, but the movie was good because I didn't really need the jokes. 
Um, the only thing I didn't really like about it was how fast it was for them being like, literally, he's just like, oh, I kind of fell at this track thing. Let's make a bobsled team. That yeah. sounds fun. Okay, let's practice a couple of times. Let's go to the Olympics. Like, I wish they would have spent more time on, like, building that up. I don't know, like, selling the whole bobsledding and then becoming really, really good at it. I feel like that was just way too fast. And it doesn't make any sense either because he gets disqualified for track and field, which is a summer sports game. (laughs) Yeah. And is like, oh, I need to find a new sport in the next, like, two weeks Mm -hmm. to qualify when the bobsledding is obviously a winter sports game. Right. So it wouldn't be the same Olympic ceremony. So, yeah, it's a little rushed in a weird way. Yeah, it did feel very, very rushed. But, yeah, I mean, other than that... It's a good, like you said earlier, like, underdog story. Like, you could see why they would want to make a movie about that team. It's, like, not their place in the world. Like, when they pull the bobsled out for the first time, they have this, like, rusty old, like, death trap. And everyone just openly stares at them, like, slack-jawed. Like, what are you even doing here? Right. I actually found that kind of funny. And I liked the scene where John Candy scares away the entire auditorium of people who might try out for the team just by playing bloopers of bobsledding oh. accidents, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just, like, Sanka's left, and he's like, where'd everybody go? Those two jokes work pretty well. Uh-huh. But really, it's, like, the end of the film, which is, like, part of the real-life story, mm-hmm. uh, where the team crashes in their last run. And it's a really gnarly accident. Like, the bobsled oh, overturns upside down, and their and helmets... Their head. Are... Like, I kept thinking their necks were gonna break. It was... Yeah. Yeah, they just get scraped along the ice as the bobsled continues to move on its own inertia. And then, instead of dying or being paralyzed, they uh, get out of the bobsled and carry it to the finish line and get, like, a slow clap build. Uh, and people like Which clap I, I like that kind of stuff, because it's like, they didn't really win a gold medal or anything extravagant like that, but they, like, accomplished something. And that's, like, enough to make, like, you know, I don't know. I just really like that. It was very satisfying. That's and, a classic, like, sports movie message, right? Well, I mean, it doesn't happen a lot in sports movies because it's, like, they either, like, win, like, the ultimate title or the ultimate this or that, and mm-hmm. they were just, like, We've, we did it. Yeah. Whatever. But I know there are movies like Bad News Bears and stuff where, like, true. they lose the last game and they celebrate anyway because they tried yeah. so hard. And they shouldn't have even That's gotten true. that, like, far <laughs> into the competition. There was, like, recently something in the news about um, a cool running screening that was supposed to happen at a school in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And people, parents were complaining about it, about the racial issues in it. And the school didn't show the kids the film. And I couldn't, like really pinpoint it. I mean, I know, like, they were kind of shit on for being from Jamaica and, like, people made fun of them and stuff like that, but it wasn't like the film was glorifying those people. I mean, they were, like, you know, the evil Swiss or whatever, German people. I I don't... I can't... I couldn't really figure that out. I could maybe see some of the early Jamaican stuff, like, seeming like poverty gazing. Like... Maybe so. when When they're practicing sprinting or boxcar racing, like, their finishing tape is, like, toilet paper and stuff like that. But I don't know. But it just seems like very like DIY, fun yeah, it, shit. Like I just thought it was really interesting because it popped up on like my newsfeed, right? And I had just watched the movie. I don't understand that at all, honestly. Cause no. it, the movie actually makes a villain out of um, Iceland is the other yeah. team, I believe, uh, for you know being racist towards the Jamaicans, right? Uh, like they're not glor- yeah glorified or looked at as a good guy. And John Candy gives this like speech to the Olympics board when they try to change the rules to get them disqualified. Mm -hmm. They basically, like, raise the uh, bar of, like, what it takes to qualify. Um, It was, like, a minute flat versus, like, a minute and two or something. Right. And then um, he gives this, like, rousing speech, like, 
are y'all afraid of having black people on television? Is that why you're disqualifying them? Or yeah. is it because of me? Like, don't punish them for my sins like 20 years ago. And that speech is like pretty convincing, I think. Like, I, rem- I mean, watching this, like, as a kid, I mean, I grew up in like a place where we had like maybe, we had like 2% african-american population and mm-hmm. i think like i don't know i think this is like helpful to like getting me like like they're not villainized or anything like that you're rooting for this person yeah disney has yeah. like a really wide reach uh mm-hmm. that a lot of movie studios don't especially with kids yeah and there were a few black characters in disney movies but not to the point in the 90s where the whole movie was black leads this uh, is like the only one i could think of yeah it'd be like it would be like a team of like 10 white kids with like one black kid for flavor you know like right uh, like this, another little rascals right. or a sandlot and maybe that's why john candy is here like as a mm-hmm. big name and a white person to like sort of soften that a little bit maybe. but it never really like those racial politics didn't really occur to me as a kid or anything i just saw it as like mm-hmm. a sports movie yeah and i probably thought it was hilarious at the time even though now the jokes aren't very funny I re- we watched this we used to have like friday movies in school when i was like in elementary and we would like watch this movie and like for like weeks we'd go around and be like we're from jamaica we got a upset team <laughs> like i just remember all the kids singing it at recess so yeah. i thought it was so fucking funny but now, like, when you watch it and you have, like, I'm going to call it a mild enjoyment of it. Yeah. Does any of that have to do with the humor? Or is it just, no. like, yeah, it's just the story, right? It's just the story. I, and something else, like, really interesting that, <laughs> funny, um, I don't know if it was, like, this, this, maybe the Swiss team when they're practicing and um, Doris is, like, watching them and there's, like, this slow motion, like, like zoom from the foot up to like the crotch <laughs> of like this really really tight like bobsled suited up like swiss dude and it's very like the camera never goes above their crotch it's yeah so weird that is weird yeah <laughs> maybe the director was having fun that day i don't know yeah <laughs> totally i thought it was so that that part i'll laugh for because it was just oh, it was funny <laughs> but it, but it's not very surprising to learn that this was like a serious movie before it was a comedy they like right. did joke rights on it later because even the score is done by Hans Zimmer, who's, like, a pretty big deal. Yeah. But he does, like, a very traditional, like, sports movie triumph, like, coming from the underdog position, like, score. It's not a comedy score. It's no. Not, yeah. It's, like, yeah, it's a powerful score. Is yeah. Is that a thing? It's, like, emotional. <laughs> emotional. Yeah. Uh, the second movie we watched was also a Disney film uh, from 1994 <laughs> called D2, The Mighty Ducks. Fucking hated this movie. This is the worst one we watched. It's so it's so boring. So cool runnings. Bye. Not a funny movie. Still endearing as a film. Right, but a, a good film. Right. Yeah. Totally. D two the Mighty Ducks. Not a funny movie. Not a good movie either. <laughs> like, no, it's it was total crap. God, it was so hard to sit through that. It wasn't funny. It was boring. There was too much going on that I couldn't, like, really keep up. Yeah. Or I wasn't interested enough to keep up with it. I mean, I used to love this movie as a kid, though. Like, I used to watch it a lot. I only saw the first one. Oh, really? Because I thought Amelia Estevez was really, really cute. Didn't you used to have an <laughs> annual Estevez Festivez? Estevez Festivez, yeah. Um, we, w- we wouldn't watch this movie. We would, yeah, no, it was just it. me and my friend. We watched all our favorite Amelia Estevez movies. So, uh, The Mighty Ducks did make it on that list. But not D2. <laughs> <laughs> so in the first one, he's like a crooked lawyer, right? And he has like this like slick back like Wall Street hairdo. And he gets in trouble or something and has to right. do like community service. And <laughs> ends up coaching Pee Wee hockey. And 
falls in love with these kids and like builds them up to be these champions, even though they're like dipshits. In the second movie, D2, he um, builds the goodwill from the first film uh, to revive his own hockey career and is like on his way to the NHL. Right. And then gets this like career ending injury to his knee. Oh no. And then ends up going back to teach the Mighty Ducks how to play hockey and sort of gets lost in the commercial end of children's sports which is not something that really exists like he gets <laughs> all these like Wheaties and like sports company ad- right, advertisements like sports. uh oh, this is kind of going back to like when when Lexi got the fame overtook her in ice skating like coach Bombay just gets kind of like sucked into like this fame of children's hockey yeah that's that's not a thing but <laughs> but it is a thing in sports movies like you forget the love of the game and you get wrapped up in like the publicity right. the and the fancy like apartment and yeah. all the attention the way it builds for more international attention on top of just being like a real peewee hockey league uh, a sports store sponsors the mighty ducks yeah. and recruits kids from all over the country to compete in the junior goodwill games which is a cheap stand-in for the olympics like it's like olympics for kids which I'm not sure that exists, but it definitely doesn't exist on this level where it's like internationally televised and like people no. travel from all over the world to play these games in Los Angeles. Yeah, it, it's not like this if it exists at all. Um, but the Ducks turn into Team USA, and Emilio Estevez starts to look like his lawyer character from the first film. His like hair starts to be oh, slicked yeah. back again. The more gel he puts in, you're like he's going down the wrong path. Right, he's being a mean man now. <laughs> <laughs> and the Mighty Ducks themselves sort of like stop being. Their best possible, like, teamwork-minded, uh, yeah. functional unit until they learn how to go back to the basics by playing, quote-unquote, street puck with a bunch of, like, local kids yeah. in Los Angeles. And they, like, relearn love of the game. <laughs> What's that, like, move that that kid does? It's, it's my something puck? Oh, oh you don't know Knuckle puck. Knuckle puck. <laughs> uh, and that kid is uh, Keenan Thompson. Yes! Keenan Thompson's knuckle puck. Yeah. And he's like, you know, so dirty. classic, uh, all that era of Kenan Thompson here. Uh-huh. Um, and doing the same jokes and the same faces he does on SNL like now. Yeah, he like mugs for the camera in the exact same way now that he so did 20 silly. years ago. It's so funny. I think, well, that was maybe a cool thing about it. Yeah, but that's about it. <laughs> it was so boring because it's like, oh, here we go, like... Every other country's evil, and the USA is this, like, poor little thing, and you want them to win, and I don't know. It's It's very jingoistic. Yeah, Yeah. like, oh, God, so lame. And then there was this, like, one part where they're, like, ding-dong ditching through, like, Beverly Hills. Yeah. And they go to some department store, and it's like, my Uncle Aaron sent me. (laughs) And then the lady's like, oh, Aaron Spelling? And they're like, oh, uh, yeah. And they go in and they get, like, fancy food. And then these, like, older women put on a sexy fashion show for all these weird fucking kids. And to a beef with the two song. Yeah, it's so, like, whew, okay. Yeah, these, like, four boys. They're, like, children. Aaron Spelling's um, nephews. Yeah, <laughs> supposedly. It's so funny. And they ogle women in, like, fashion clothes. Like Yeah, because they want to, like, they're fake. Like, oh, I want to buy, like, a dress for my mom. So like, oh, let me get these like sexy ladies to model dresses. Look at like, how hot like, these adult women are. Look good on your mom. It just uh, it's oh bizarre. god, it made me feel so gross. <laughs> but um, how yeah. soon did you know you were in trouble with this movie? Maybe like ten minutes in. That is way further than me. Because like, <laughs> <laughs> the, the beginning where it was like it's going through like Coach Bombay's like knee injury, and I'm like, 
oh no, this could get kind of cool. And then um, who gives a shit? And then it gets so, like, to the point where it makes you feel so embarrassed, you're uncomfortable when they're like, we will, we will quack you. Quack you. And they're like quacking and uh, it's like, oh, stop it. So the quacking is when I knew I was in trouble. Um, <laughs> the first scene where the kids are introduced, they're rollerblading around like the city reassembling the team yeah and they're rollerblading with these like duck calls so they're like duck calling to each other and like reassembling the mighty ducks and one of the kids says the quack attack is back jack and that's when i was like oh fuck the next 90 (laughs) minutes are gonna suck so hard damn it why do we have to watch this um (laughs) my fault i'm sorry (laughs) it's okay um, how do you feel like this movie works as an Olympics movie? Because it's not exactly at the Olympics, but it's pretty close. It, it's a, that same vibe where it's like a major competition, a major you know challenge, and I mean kids can't be in the Olympics, so the Junior Goodwill Games. The symbol is like a bunch of rings intersecting. Lame. It's just the wrong number. Of just rings. that whole like oh like you know when they grow up they'd be like oh I won the Junior Goodwill Games okay like who gives a shit bye uh, some cameos <laughs> from Christy Yamaguchi and oh yeah oh yeah I remember how cool she was cause I okay so I used to get her her name confused I used to call them my Tamagotchis Yamaguchis <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Wayne Gretzky shows up as well. Uh, in both cases, yes. they have to explain to the kids who they are. Like, oh my god, it's Wayne Gretzky. Because they just like don't trust you to recognize them, which I wouldn't have if they didn't men- mention it. I'm like, who's that guy? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky Wayne and Michael Gretzky Scott. And Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in like, typical uh, international competition movies, like instead of Russia... The kids fight Iceland. Um, <laughs> whatever. Who cares? Yeah, and I love how the, I want to go to Iceland one day, but there's just this like appeal of like all like the men in Iceland are giants because I watch all those like Iceland giants videos on YouTube and it's like nuts and it's like the first thing they say is like they're so huge, <laughs> <laughs> just these like huge kids in black. <laughs> And, yeah, like, huge and kind of creepily cold. Which, I mean, I hate when they like do machine-like. Like, yeah, yeah, they're like, oh, because they're not American. They don't have, like, any empathy or personality. They're just dry. It's so stupid. Okay, so the comedy obviously didn't work for us in this movie. It didn't. Nothing worked, I think. Yeah, well, I'm asking, like, at the end, there's a shootout where America and Iceland, last two teams in the competition... It all comes down to one shot. This girl subs out for the goalie. She's supposed oh, to stop. Oh, Julie. The- yeah. Yeah. They kind of like, I forgot about that, where they kind of just like make weird derogatory comments towards her the whole like time. Yeah. And it's really hard. And you're just like. There's a weird scene where they're all tied together. And she's like, somebody better wash their hands. It's like, uh, what the fuck? They're like 10. Leave her alone. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Poor thing. But it all comes down to like some final shot. She's supposed to block right. the last goal from Iceland. Did it work for you on, like, a sports movie level? Like, at Cool Runnings at the end, they carried the sled across the finish line. That was very powerful. Kind of triumphant moment, yeah. Yeah. And this one, did you care? No. Me neither. I was like, please let Iceland win (laughs) so we can, like, get this movie over with and they can all just, like, shut up. This movie sucks. Don't watch this one. (laughs) Yeah, don't. Oh, God. I know there's, like, a D3. Oh, God. They keep going. There's a lot of Mighty Tech films. So much D out there. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta catch them all. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, anyways, maybe we could do like an Estevez Festivez episode and we can like maybe watch like one of the D's. I could do like a Best of Vez Festivez. Like a, Best uh, of Vez yeah. Festivez. What's your favorite Emilio Estevez movie? Maximum Overdrive. Ooh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Repo Man. Eh. You don't like Repo Man? I like it, but it's not as good as Maximum Overdrive. Well, that's a really good one. Yeah, I like both of those a lot. I've watched that movie so much. I think I have like a VHS of like when it was originally released. I mostly just remember the scene where the um the soda machine is like taking out little kids at a baseball game. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny to me. It's really crazy. Okay, next movie on the list. We I, I enjoyed more at least. Saw this from the theater. I've watched it a few times since. Uh, Blades of Glory from 2007. What? You, you watched this multiple times? Yeah, you don't like this movie? I mean, it's good, but not good enough to watch again. I think so. Uh <laughs> It's like a Zazz style spoof of sports movies. Um, it's got kind of a walk hard vibe, uh, and it's yeah. from a time when Will Ferrell was making a bunch of like sports movies where like Tell You Dig and Nights, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he like, had a basketball one called like Semi Pro or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, I, remember, I forgot about that movie. This one's a PG thirteen comedy, so it's not going to be as like over the top as Walk Hard. Yeah, uh, it's him as a overaged figure skater. Again, this isn't the Olympics. It's the world's winter sport games, but it's the Olympics. Yeah. He is Chaz Michaels, which I suppose is probably based off of Shawn Michaels, the uh, professional wrestler is kind of where they got the name from. He's against John Hedder, who, you know, got famous playing Napoleon Dynamite. And in the movie, he plays Jimmy McElroy, (laughs) which is pretty much uh, Johnny Weir. Who's like the uh, Olympics announcer who like always wears the over the top like genderqueer fashion, yes, uh, yes. which becomes apparent very early on because he's dressed like a peacock, just like um, female trouble almost. Yeah, the, yeah, the peacock sleeve, the peacock sleeve. Yeah, it's very Beard similar. The two of them are like rivals. The Johnny Weir type character is like very fancy and like traditional and kind of dainty. And Chaz Michaels, the bad boy of figure skating. Yeah. Uh, they have to share a medal that they like split the judges on. <laughs> and they get in a fist fight on the ice and kicked out of Olympics. Forever. Then, forever. <laughs> and then from there, the movie's like a split between Zoolander and yeah. Step Brothers. Very, uh, it reminds me a lot of Zoolander. Yeah, yeah, they're idiots. They're stupid and they have to like combine forces to save the day. Yeah, and they have to get over their petty uh, differences um, because there's no rule in the rule books that says that two men can't figure skate together in the couples competition. Right. And I think like the guy who figures that out is... Um, Craig T. Nelson. Right, who's like a stalker. Like I think he makes a comment. Oh, no, no. Uh, Wait, who is that guy? Nick Swartzen. Yeah. So he, Jim McElroy is like at his job and his like stalker comes in and he's like, I found a way that you can compete again. And oh, by the way, I'm still going to kill you someday. <laughs> that was very funny for me. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I think I laughed the most for that part. And okay, once they start skating together, the kind of joke is that because they're two men and they have like all right. this upward body strength, um, they can do these moves that are like impossible for figure skating. And the movie's, like, got a lot of green screen and CGI. And shows them, like, doing these, like, physically impossible stunts. Right. They're, like, throwing each other and they're, like... I can't even explain it. Right. They're just, just like, it flipping around it. and, like... It's a lot of, like, shit. gay panic humor where it's, like, oh, now it looks like they're 69 There's crashes in my face. Yeah. I know. Where that was, like, oh, it's two men figure skating. Let's, like, make some, like, weird, subtle gay joke. 
that part doesn't work very well, yeah. but the dumb green screen of them just, like, doing physically impossible Which tasks. Which is funny. That makes me laugh. Yeah. You don't like this movie that much? I, I like it, but, but I didn't love it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too harsh on it. I just feel like by the time this movie came out, and at this point in my life as well, I'm, like, tired of that repurpose Will Ferrell character. Yeah. We saw it in Anchorman. Saw it until you take a night. I mean, he just plays the same thing over and over and over again. And he was kind of like that in here. It wasn't like his character was boring, but I thought that like John Hedder was more successful in this movie. I think it was funny too, yeah. I, I thought he was like funnier. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Especially after Walk, not Walk Hard, uh, Talladega Nights. Yeah. It felt like it was getting a little tired. Yeah. But I feel like at least now, it's been over 10 years since that time has passed like right. I don't feel as exhausted by it like yeah. I just saw him host SNL a couple weeks ago and it was easily the best episode of like not a great season but like <laughs> he was burn. like still funny and he was yeah. doing his same Will Ferrell shtick that like 20 years ago I guess ago, maybe I yeah. yeah whenever the same thing when a song is overplayed on the radio you don't tend to like that song as much anymore yeah. I think that's just what happened with him but yeah, it's not that he's untalented or not funny, but it was just kind of, I felt like I was watching Ron Burgundy Ice Skate. That is very accurate. And it's like a, a super macho character who's like overconfident. Right. Uh, and the movie's like sort of making fun of the fact that he thinks he's God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. I, I can't help but find it funny. I think maybe because as a kid, like SNL was my favorite show. And, like, See, I was just... a mad TV kid. Oh, no. Boo. I didn't like <laughs> Damn it. No, like, I, I could not get into SNL. I, like, lived for, like, the Stort sketches. Ugh, love Mad TV. I used to flip to Mad TV during the commercials, but I was always, like, an SNL kid. <laughs> I don't know, like, by the time they get to the end and they're doing, like, the Flash Gordon uh, skating routine, it, that like, goes on very, forever. I like that one a lot. And uh, the, um, what is it, the Flying Lotus? Yeah. They, Shit, what is it called? The Flying Lotus, yeah, that's, Lotus? I think so. Something about a lotus. Yeah, they do, like... The big move. It's so stupid and impossible. Yeah, they do this move that only North Koreans have done before because yeah, if you fuck up... they got up, decapitated. Yeah, you, if you fuck up, you decapitate your dancing partner. <laughs> and at the very end, in the last frame of the movie, it's like Greece where they just fly the fuck off into heaven. Which I love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. Huge Grease fan. Um, and there was like almost, I, I haven't seen I, Tanya, but I know like a background of the story where um, Amy Poehler and Will Arnett are like their competition. And they were married and does, in real like, life. Yeah. yeah, they're married in real life, but they were like brother and sister in the movie. And then like she does like a, a Tanya Harding kind of move where she throws her pearls on mm-hmm. the ice to like sabotage them. Um, they're definitely playing with Tanya Harding in this movie. Yeah. Will Arnett beats the shit out of Will Ferrell <laughs> before a competition. To, like, debilitate him. And right. it doesn't work. And then, also, them getting banned from life from figure skating is very Tanya Harding. And, you know, Chaz Michaels being this, like, bad boy who doesn't fit in with the uh, the figure skating world, which is all very genteel and, like, all about showmanship and being figure and, skating off the ice right. as well. Very, like, eleganza. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's very Tanya Harding uh, as well. But I just find this, like, very funny. It's not tragic in the way that Tanya Harding's story is. It's, like, all very goofy and irreverent. Nothing really means anything. And for a comedy, because the jokes are so fast, it doesn't really matter to me that it's not deep. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's silly. Yeah, it's very silly. It's a silly silly movie with, like, a lot of, like, funky gags and stuff like that. But, yeah, I guess so. It's just, like, not the kind of comedy that I personally enjoy but it wasn't horrible like i would i would i would recommend this to somebody i wouldn't like say like oh fuck blaze of glory don't watch it 
And it's got a bunch of like, you know, uh, Chrissy Yamaguchi and Gwen Gretzky were in D2. Uh-huh. This one's got like a ton of people. I did like the part when he was like explaining all his tattoos. Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, Michelle Kwan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the dragon lady. He's got, like, a tattoo for each of his past lovers, and then, like... Right, and they're all, like, professional, um, ice skaters. And then Jimmy McElroy earns his, like, place in the, uh, collection. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, this one has, like, guest spots from Scott Hamilton and Dorothy mm-hmm. Hamill and Brian Botano yeah. and all these figure skating legends. Brian Botano. I forgot about Brian Botano. I think it was kind of cute. And one thing I will say, as far as, like, watching all these Olympics movies back-to-back, this one did something with the Olympics that I don't think any other movie does. And it's in the video packages that NBC airs where, like, they'll introduce the story of a competitor. Like, mm-hmm. let me introduce you to Chaz Michaels. Chaz is the bad boy of skating. And, like, oh, shows yeah. all these, like, off-screen interviews and these, like, past clips. Um, You know, NBC does these, like, packages for specific athletes to kind of <laughs> sell them to you and sell you their story. And I like that that's how the characters are introduced in this movie. It, it felt like watching a NBC broadcast briefly. Gotcha. Also, they had... Uh, olympics mascots in the movie as well there's like a new mascot every olympics games which i always find funny and this one has like a giant snowflake character (laughs) and he gets like um shot in the head yeah he gets like an arrow in the head (laughs) yeah i've seen this several times and i own it on dvd i don't know why i don't know why i like this one so much (laughs) i probably watched this one more than talladega nights even though it's not as funny as that movie I like Talladega Nights, but it got weird. I just over... Like, in high school. That's, like, when all this stuff was so fucking big. 40-Year-Old Virgin, Anchorman. Yeah. And you just watch this so much. And now I'm like, oh, God, I can't watch any of these movies for, like, another 10 years, I think. Yeah. And then I'll... I, some of them are bad. It's just that it's, like... Oh Oversaturated. Yeah. Yeah. It's too much. I do it too much. That's why I try to, like... When I really like something, I just kind of, like, watch it and appreciate it and, like, back away. Set it aside. Set it aside <laughs> for another time. For I hate it. Uh, the next movie on the list is a lot more recent. Eddie the Eagle from 2016. Yes. Uh, also based on a real-life story. Also set at the 1988 Olympics in Calgary. What up, Cool Runnings? Same year as Cool Runnings. <laughs> so you think, like... And they're both based on two true stories. So right. the Jamaica bobsled team was there at the same time Eddie the Eagle. And in a couple scenes in the movie, people reference the Jamaican bobsled team. Really? Uh, Shit, I didn't realize that. There's a scene where Hugh Jackman is listening to the radio and someone says, and by the way, Jamaican bobsled, and he just (gasps) clicks off the radio without even looking at it. He's like, I don't want to hear that shit. Honestly, this is my take on Eddie the Eagle. It's just a fucking ripoff of Cool Runnings. It's like the same movie, except not as good. I liked it a lot. You liked it a lot? I did. Okay. I don't know why. I think, like, Ed, the character of Eddie was just so likable mm-hmm. to me, where I, I thought he was just so funny, where he's just, like, very innocent and, how can I explain it, like, simple-minded in a way? He's a little Napoleon Dynamite-ish. Yeah. It's hard to tell if he's supposed to be autistic or not. Uh, he's scared of, like, women, and he's, like obsessed with just becoming an olympian but not in any specific sport kind of like right. in cool runnings they're like oh i can't right. be a sprinter but i still have to go to the olympics what can i do right and he's like oh i'll be a jumper it wasn't like i don't think i laughed out loud i did not laugh all, once no but i thought it was enjoyable like i really just i liked it it's listed as a comedy drama on wikipedia do you think that's fair is it is it necessarily like a, i felt like it was supposed to be jokey but like you said, I didn't laugh at all. I feel it was more of like a like a lighthearted drama. Yeah. I didn't think it was like a comedy. Like there were some parts where they were kind of like goofy and silly, but... I think most of the humor is just like 
that kind of awkward Napoleon Dynamite humor. It's set in the late eighties. Yeah. And you're supposed to laugh at like his look. He's got this like these sweaters and these like these eight little, the like, wireframe aviators. Yeah. His mom wears even more ridiculous sweaters than right. he does. And mom jeans with them. They play a lot of cheesy sports synth pop on the soundtrack that's supposed to it. sound goofy. And you just watch him fail over and over again. Like he's not yeah. good at any of the sports he tries. Uh, as a kid you watch him grow up trying all these different things and just breaking Hundreds of pairs of glasses that he puts and in he his biscuit tin. Biscuit. I know the whole like I feel like when he from when he was a little boy, I was like the whole time I'm like aw aw. It was like <laughs> one of those things where he's like, Mom, I'm going to the Olympics. And she's like, okay, and then she has to call her husband. She's like, he's going to the Olympics. Like, go pick him up off the streets. Yeah. And it's just really like cute and sad. And then it gets to the point where he's in his twenties and he's still doing. And it. he's like living at home and doesn't have a job and he keeps running away from home and his right. dad still has to keep bringing him back. Another way it's like cool runnings is like he doesn't really win anything extravagant. Mm-hmm. He just accomplishes his goal and well, it's yeah. just as good. They're the first Jamaican bobsled team ever to compete. Mm-hmm. And he's the first British ski, ski jumper, jumper since the 20s. Record, yeah. yeah, and he breaks the record because the game has obviously changed since the 20s. Right. But yeah, he places last in every competition. Right, but he's still so excited because people are... At- I thought it was, like, so... F- I laughed whenever they were just like, ooh, he only got 60, and he's, like, losing his shit. He's like, oh, my God, I did it. And he gets his nickname because to balance himself on the air because he's not very good when he's doing these giant jumps on the ski ramp, he, like, flaps his arms, like, an, and they call like him an eagle, wings. but it looks more like a pigeon or something. Like, it's not it's not very <laughs> regal. Yeah, should have been more, more accurate. <laughs> so, what do you think about Hugh Jackman in here? And his, like, Har- when Harry met Sally. It's um, such bullshit. Scene. It's so weird. And it's so reminiscent of John Candy in Cool Runnings. He's, like, like, angry. Yeah, he's this coach who's been kicked out of the sport for cheating and has spent the last 20 years drinking hard alcohol <laughs> instead of, like, putting his mind to something. And, like, right. this kid has to drag him out of drinking to care about life again. So the, it's the same the, story. Here's the thing. I don't know about the real Cool Runnings or the real Eddie the Eagle, but were these, like, John Candy and Hugh Jackman characters real? No, they're both fictional creations. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Then I'm just like, that'd be so crazy. Yeah, if both those guys, like, went to the Olympics in the same year. With their, like, old, drunk, cheating coach. (laughs) Oh, man. That scene where Hugh Jackman is drunk without a shirt on... In the middle of the night and does, like, this, like, really dangerous ski jump and does it, like, perfectly. I love it. You lo- I was just like, why am I watching this? Like, I didn't get anything out of it. <laughs> it's so funny, though. Here's the thing, though. I went and saw The Greatest Showman with Hugh Jackman this week, the Ooh, musical. how was that? I really liked it. Good. I, lo- I love him. It's total bullshit, but I okay. really liked it. You would have fun with it, I think, too. <laughs> it's musical theater. Because I think, like, it came out, like, every time, like, it's around the holidays for Christmas, I'm like... Oh, like, we should go see one of those, like, Christmas movies or something. And that was one of them last year where it was, like, The Greatest Showman. Yeah. It was supposed to be, like, the holiday film. You would like it. It's okay. really over the top and really corny, but, like, so fun and so silly. I mean, I liked him in Eddie the Eagle. I'm sure I'll like him in that. It was weird seeing him back-to-back in these two movies because on SNL, speaking of things I used to watch obsessively and still do, <laughs> Andy Samberg had this character that was Hugh Jackman, the man with two sides. And we'd come out with... This bifurcated suit on where on one arm he had the Wolverine claw, and on the other <laughs> arm he had his like musical theater, like fan of the opera glove with a rose in it. He'd be like, I'm the man with two sides. I'm a rough and tumble like action star, and I'm like a uh, man of the stage who sings and dances. Um, <laughs> this version of Hugh Jackman is definitely the Wolverine. Wolverine version, yeah. Totally. 
I don't know. I, I think maybe just the story isn't as interesting to me as Cool Runnings, even though they're both true. It's just like the story of like this guy who's yeah. mediocre but tries anyway. Just didn't really do anything for me. I don't know what it was. I guess, I don't know if it was because he was British. Yeah, maybe that <laughs> it makes made it more cuter. entertaining for yeah. me and more adorable. <laughs> I don't want to say it's bad though. Like it's it's it fine. Was good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, he is in the news this week because I was just googling about the real life person. They don't mention it in the movie, but after he placed last at the Winter Olympics in 88, they changed the rules to make it harder for him to qualify, and he still has not been able to get back into the games <laughs> oh, ever since. No. Uh, it's called the Eddie the Eagle rule, which means that you have to like compete on an international level before you can even go to the Olympics. Instead oh, of, like, so it's not locally. like some like, embarrassing person like Eddie right, the Eagle gets right. on TV. <laughs> uh, and then this week in the news, he was warning contestants not to go to South Korea uh, because they were definitely going to get nuked. Oh my god, <laughs> is he going nuts? Yeah, he's like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Which maybe like made me less endearing okay, to it. Okay, yeah, I think I would have looked. I didn't know anything about any of this, and then I think that's why I liked it. But then, yeah. like, kind of when you start to know like how that individual is in real life, yeah, it kind of impacts how you like a movie. But I don't know. The humor in this movie is like him getting hurt, which I guess is something, and then like Waking making up f- in laundry baskets too. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, okay, I thought. Was or like being funny. scared of sex and because uh, he's so innocent. Yeah, but like. Also, kind of making fun of, like, 80s ski movies. Like, I guess Better Off Dead is, like, the height of that genre. But, yeah, or um, Hot Dog the movie. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess they're kind of making fun of that. But <laughs> it's kind of like Cool Runnings in its humor. It's like Cool Runnings in everything. But in its humor, it's like... And the pattern. Like, all of it. Yeah, the whole story. Oh, I guess I might have liked it more if I hadn't watched them back-to-back, you know? Like, I hadn't seen Cool Runnings in, like, 20 years. <laughs> like, like, I probably... the British version of Cool Running. Yeah, Totally. And to even name check that bobsled team a couple times That's in the movie. Crazy. Yeah. They knew it. Yeah, they, they knew what they were doing. It. Turds. Okay, the last movie in this list. Honestly, this is why I wanted to do this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is from two years ago. I think it's one of the best comedies of the past five years. Easily. Uh, I do like a separate list every year that's like... Not my favorite movies of the year, but it's like the trashier ones that like just missed my list. Yeah. And this one was in my top five for 2016. Nice. It's called The Bronze. It stars Melissa Roche, or Rock. Roche. 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 She is on Big Bang Theory, Roche. which I do not watch, so I don't know oh, what she plays in the God. show. Uh, she and her husband wrote this movie about gymnastics. This is the one sports movie we're doing today that's like not Winter Games, it's Summer Games, but who gives a fuck? It's, it's so funny. It's like the funniest <laughs> movie I've seen in a long time. <laughs> it's called The Bronze because she plays a character that won the bronze medal at an Olympic Games in the 90s. And had a kind of Carrie Strug incident where she, like, harmed herself but finished anyway. And that's mm-hmm. why she got the medal, was, like, showing her determination, kind of won the judges over that way. Since that incident, she has not grown up at all. She still acts like a child and lives home with her dad. Uh, we're first introduced to her, Hope Gregory. We're introduced to her masturbating to old footage of her victory and yelling at her dad about how she wants her grilled cheese sandwich at the same time. Give me a grilled cheese and tomato. <laughs> yeah, she's got that middle middle the uh, West Ohio accent. Yeah. And then also stealing money out of people's birthday cards <laughs> in her <laughs> dad's can... mail van because he's like a mail <laughs> delivery guy. And then she goes to Sparrow to get her pizza. Yeah, she gets free pizza at Sparrow and, like, free weed from, like, mall In dudes. In the mall. It's so funny. She, like, lords over this tiny kingdom using this, like, old fame 
Um, it's very much like Eastbound and Down in that way. Yes. Oh, God, you're so right. And okay. she's a huge asshole. But it's so funny to see a female perspective on that same character. Just being, like, very, like, abrasive and just mean. Yeah. But, like... <laughs> I love it. And it's the same kind of jokes that Eastbound and Down would make, but she's, like, making references to, like, camel toe and clit jizz and, like... <laughs> Uh, you know, it's just like a feminine spin on the same kind of character, and it's so funny and so well written. <laughs> yeah. The narrative of the movie is that she gets sucked back into um, gymnastics because to earn her inheritance from this coach that just died, right. she has to teach Haley Ru- Haley Lou Richardson, uh, who's a young actress who was in Split and Edge of Seventeen. I think okay. she was like a Disney Channel person as well. Um, she has to teach her. She has to coach her into Olympic competition. And initially, she does not want to be surpassed. She does not want her legacy to die. So she just completely fucks up this girl's life. She's like, I love the scene where they eat, like, 20 cheeseburger meals in a row. Yeah. And she gets, like, a beer gut. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she, like, encourages her to eat fast food, fuck, and smoke weed. And, like, it just ruins her career. Like, this girl... (laughs) Was on the track to be the best in the country and is like essentially just ruined in like a week. And then she, the spirit of competition sort of like comes back into her because Sebastian Stan, who's like an old rival of hers from the 90s, also plays an asshole in I, Tanya. Um, oh, shut up. He plays an asshole in this movie as well. Wow. And the Must two. Be his face or something. Like he has like that kind of like handsome douchebag he's, appeal. He's a believable athlete too. Like he's like mm-hmm. a very muscly man. Yeah. With a square jaw. <laughs> uh, the two of them get competitive um, as coaches uh-huh. and the fire gets lit under her ass and she ends up teaching this kid everything she knows to the point where she is like even better than Hope ever was. How do you like this movie? I, I thought it was great. I laugh so fucking much. Just, like, all the, like, just the little, like, sayings that she would do. Like, I thought it was so freaking funny. And I can't believe, like, I didn't know about this movie, that this movie existed until, like, you recommended it. And then I'm like, let me look online. Like, where the fuck has this movie been? People do not like this Oh, people hate this film. Oh, my God. Like, it's gotten, like, horrible ratings. I saw it opening day in the theater. And there was Uh maybe three other people there. And I was the only one laughing. Why do you think? I don't get it. It's so funny. Maybe it's because it's a woman behaving badly or something. Like, there's just, like, not an endearing character. She plays an asshole. Like, she's not a likable person. She's an asshole, but endearing at the same time. Oh, I love her. (laughs) She's hilarious. She used to do, like, a lot of, like, the Best Week Ever stuff on VH1. Oh, really? She would, like, chime in in the middle. I love, like, how her voice is, like, very squeaky. And then she has that, like, Midwest accent, too. It makes (laughs) it, like, ten times funnier. And she has a lot of, like, emotional vulnerability in the movie. Like, she's hiding her gigantic breasts uh, because, <laughs> you know, gymnasts are supposed to have these, like, sort of flat bodies. Like, like, like young boy bodies. Right. Yeah, and Sebastian Stan teases her and calls her tits the dream killers. Yeah. Uh, the two of them have a sex scene together that I think is one of the funniest physical comedy bits <laughs> I've seen on the screen so long. It's so funny. <laughs> it's this really filthy sex scene in a hotel room. Where they just, like... Do gymnastic sex? You know, instead of the horse, like, he's using her body to, like, spin around. Uh, they fuck upside down, and, like, they use the rings to, like, prop themselves up. and Right, and he has, like, a gold tattoo on his crotch. <laughs> and, um... Oh, and then she has, um, Twitchy. Uh, yeah, uh, Thomas Middleditch is yeah. her uh, other lover, who's this real sweetheart Christian, but, like... <laughs> 
not prepared for her. Not at all. Yeah. Like, she makes him steal, like, a steak escape, like, customer rewards card or whatever during, like, a mall date. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, he, like, says things like, swearing makes Christ cry. Uh, <laughs> like, she, he is not ready for, like, what she's dealing. And, like, that part where um he brings her on a date and she, like, just sits down and throws her legs up but her underwear is at her ankles. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, she's like, wait, you don't want to fuck a gymnast? He's like saving himself <laughs> for marriage. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she'll fuck anybody. She's just she's bored. So I know. She's so bored. I don't know. I think this was probably 100% the funniest out of all the movies we watched today. And possibly like the funniest movie I've watched in the past like six months. Yeah. If I had been a little stricter with the uh, guidelines, we'd be like, oh, let's only do winter sports. But it's like, I couldn't leave Thank this God, movie LeBron's. off. Yeah. yeah, no, totally. It had the same vibe. It's Olympic-y shit, whatever. And I think that's a lot of the problem I had with I, Tanya as well. Like, the comedy is dark in that movie, mm-hmm. and it's continuously interrupted by this domestic abuse storyline. Like, gotcha. the, the movie is named after I, Tina, which What's Love Got to Do With It was based oh, on. Oh, yeah. And it's the pretty similar story of, like, Ooh. her getting repeatedly beaten Okay. And to mix that with this, like, dark comedy tone just wasn't working for me. Like, alternating between those two um, modes was, like, really jarring in this way that I wasn't comfortable with. Gotcha. Um, and I feel like the bronze tells a pretty similar story about this woman who doesn't belong in this, like, genteel world of gymnastic sports. And has this sort of, like, dark energy to her character. Yeah. And... I just didn't have to deal with the domestic abuse stuff on top of that. Right. And I just found this story, like, so fun, even though it's not equally fucked up, but it's fucked up in a similar way. It's funny. Yeah, it's a funny, fucked up comedy. It's it's not like a... I want to say it's not mindless, but you can, like... Throw it on and just fucking have a good time. Yeah. Well, I think I think there's, like, some vulnerability or so a character funny. that's interesting. And I think the way it ends is not how you would expect. Like I af- love the ending so much. Yeah. Well, after, like, Haley Rich- Lou Richardson wins the gold, what she does with that new fame is not how you would expect someone to end it, like, a triumphant sports movie moment. Right. And then after the the uh, sort of weirdly thoughtful ending, then it ends with a plot summarizing rap song over mm-hmm. the end credits, which might be the greatest movie trope of all time. It's good. <laughs> yeah. It's a good song. I wish every movie ended with a rap song that told you <laughs> the story again, like in, in a few bars. <laughs> I don't know why people don't like it. Yeah, if you it's hear really sad. if you hear that the bronze is terrible, like you're being lied Bullshit. to. It's a great film. Somebody just got really butthurt about something and then just wanted to ruin this movie because it's fucking good. I don't know if it's, like, Big Bang Theory fans went out to see Melissa Roch and, like, weren't into what she does on screen. Well, you know, Big Bang Theory fucking sucks, so they probably suck. (laughs) Yeah. So don't trust their fucking judgment. (laughs) And then probably, like, fans of, like, Eastbound and Down and stuff would love this movie, but just didn't find it. It reminds me a lot of Eastbound and Down. Now that you said that, I'm like, what does this remind me of? I'm like, oh, she's, like, the female Kenny Powers. Right, exactly. (laughs) So, okay, this movie was our favorite, I think so, yes. 100%. We can agree on that. (laughs) Cool runnings, we were pretty, like... Come in second. We were okay on that. Yeah. D2, The Mighty Ducks, do not watch that. No. <laughs> oh, God. And then Blades of Glory, I liked more than you, and you liked yeah. Eddie the Eagle more than I did. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the, di- the only differing thing. If someone was trying to get into an Olympics movie to like, get ready for the Olympics, you only to get them one. you in the mood for the Olympics. Which one would you suggest from today? The bronze? The bronze, right? <laughs> And, and maybe yeah, ice castles. Know, and I, oh, I forgot about ice castles. Yeah, ice castles. Yeah. Get you in the wintry feel, but to lift your heart up a little bit with the bronze. 
Maybe we saved you some time. Don't watch the other four movies. <laughs> yeah, just watch those two. Unless you're only going to be watching bobsledding, then I guess Cool Runnings is cool okay. Runnings be okay. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and the next time we talk on the microphone, it's actually going to be you, me, and James. Yes. Because um, it's going to be our 50th episode. Oh. Should we, like, wear shirts that have, like, 50 clothespins on it? Like, 100 Day at School? Or, or you just have 100 pieces of shit on maybe there? Maybe we blow out 50 candles, or I don't know. Oh! We'll set a small fire. Um, that'll be fun. <laughs> Woo! Okay, I'll start thinking about ideas. Uh, that'll be in a couple weeks, and we'll come up with a fun, sort of breezy conversation the three of us can have for that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll see y'all then, and again, if you see a bunch of divines walking around the French Quarter in Mardi Gras, that's it's gonna us. be us. Yeah, so yeah, come say hello. Definitely. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you.